Hi, everyone. Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. We have a great show today. Uh, I'm excited for the topic. My name is Steve Bose. Thanks for joining us. I'm with Trish Steed, of course, Trish. I am super excited for today's show. But first of all, how are you? Good to see you. I'm good. I'm back in Illinois today, so different uh, background than what people normally see me in. So it's fun. I'm back visiting relatives. So America's really heartland. Happy. There you go. Absolutely. I'm in the heartland today. You got it. So we're talking about a topic we've hit before a few times over the course of this show, but uh, one that is um, kind of eternally important, which is mental health and mm -hmm. mental health specifically in the workplace, right? We know that work and and our experiences at work play such a huge role in our lives and impact our lives in so many ways. Uh, the topic of, of mental health and, and particularly around what employers can do to better support employee mental health is... Um, it's never been more important, I think. Uh, and so I'm glad we're really talking about it today. Me too. And I'm really excited because we're approaching it not as something that you just react to, but this is something very proactive that you can do, right? Much like you would handle any other health issues that your employees may um, either be facing or potentially will face, right? We want to make sure we have really solid approaches to the way that we we value our employees and show them that. So yeah, anyway, I won't delay and, any longer. <laughs> and having some data around that to support use use yeah. to support our programs helps as well. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Our guest today is Melissa Frieswick. Melissa is the president of COA Health. Her previous roles were a former chief growth officer at UpHealth, chief commercial officer at Total Brain, Chief Revenue Officer at Maven and Senior Vice President of Sales at Virgin Pulse, who we know from uh, back in well. our early days on the show. Uh, Melissa, welcome to the to the show. Good to see you. Thank you. I very much appreciate the opportunity to be here with you, both Steve and Trish. Thank you. It's great to have you. Uh, well, you've had a long uh, career in a lot of mental health and well-being kinds of roles, yeah. lots of big Great companies on that list as well. Of course, Coa Health, the latest. Uh, maybe we'll start, Melissa, just learning a little bit more about you. And then if you don't mind telling us a little bit about your connection and what keeps you in this well-being and mental health space, particularly, why, why it matters to you. Absolutely. Um, so I've been in this space for over 20 years at this point <laughs> and um, very much started my career even on the payer side prior to the startup world working with Cigna and very closely with David Crediani through a number of roles within that organization. And then some time in health and productivity for very large employers on an international stage as well. So that's kind of the background and the progression. I'll tell you, to answer your question up front of why I'm here, there's been one North Star and it's guided every single move that I've made, but it truly is why I'm here. When I was 10 years old, um, my grandfather passed from cancer. My mother had been the navigator of that healthcare for my grandparents. And there were a couple of things I knew to be true about my mother. She's brilliant. Um, she's understated. She's an advocate. And she really knows how to navigate tough situations. I watched her over the years that my grandfather was sick, really struggle with healthcare. And it wasn't about how to treat my grandfather. It was how to navigate the healthcare system, whether it was the claims processing, whether it was seeking care at a local facility or going into the city or up to Boston for care. And that navigation made such an immense impact on me. And so throughout my entire career, that North Star has been, how do we make the healthcare system 
drive better outcomes and also be easier to navigate for the average individual or consumer of that healthcare. So that's really why I'm here. And you can see that pathway through my career. There are always little nuggets, something that's personal to me. Um, my husband and I have three children, so you can see the connection, right? Overall well-being, so you can be there and be present at work and at home. Maven with the Women and Families Healthcare, and every single one of these in some way has connected to that. So that's really at the heart of why I'm here. Well, you can tell when you when you speak about it with such passion that it, it's really meaningful. And I think that's important, right? As if you're someone who's listening to this episode, I, you know, we really strive to bring on people who are super passionate and have real reasons behind what they do. I think that many of us can relate to that, right? Whether it's a grandparent that you're, you know, helping navigate, like you said, or even even someone with children or, you know, a partner maybe going through something, these sorts of issues pop up when you least expect it and we're not ready for them, right? So it's it's about educating yourself quickly and also dealing with the emotional and yeah. physical side of some of these health issues, right? So Absolutely. how do you see that that all plays together? Yeah, it's challenging. And also looking through the lens of the employer in the research that we did, employers overwhelmingly, like 89% of them, really want to improve the health of their employees in particularly around mental health. And the number one reason for that investment is because they wanna protect the quality of life for their employees, right? They've said it, that's very clear in the research that we've done. So you have the lens of an employer that's trying to help their massive populations really navigate this. And at the same time as individual consumers, we're trying to balance all these different aspects of our life and our world and find the way that's the quickest path to feeling good. I think that's, you know, it's a very complex web. What we can do, what feels really good is when we're able to look at deeply rooted, scientifically validated um, care delivery pathways and simplify them into an approach that makes them easily digestible for the average consumer of the healthcare and be able to help them navigate it, right? Really guide them through the process. And the second thing, which I'll just add to that is we can build an elegant system. We have to also um, keep in mind, everybody has their preference, right? And as a consumer, we may have some individuals who really want the digital first and some that want the human touch. And so also making sure that what's available to the individual fits them at that moment that they're driving towards the care and they have the options. I think that's the other thing that's really important. We can't forget as we solve for it. Melissa, thank you for sharing that. You touched on something I had in my notes uh, towards the end of maybe the conversation, but it's an important one, I think, which is you noted how people's preferences are different when it comes to um, negotiating their way through this process and even accessing care and even yeah. mental health care. Some will prefer digital kind of mechanisms, tools, technologies. Others want that one-to-one -one in person, maybe the more traditional kind of what we think about when we think about mental health care. And uh, one of the, one I can't remember who, but one of the co-executives has a quote in, in, one, in the report I read, which was really telling, which said, hey, the way forward is, is really going to be a balance of this because the 100% one-to-one, you know, in-person kind of thing 
while it's great and people like it, it's hard to scale that, especially if you're a really large employer with tens or maybe even hundreds of thousands of employees. But yet sometimes the fully digital kinds of interactions feel maybe a little less personal, maybe don't quite have the stickiness or the engagement that you'd like to try to really drive those uh, optimal outcomes. But that balance, right, and trying to provide employees with a little, uh, a high, whether it's, you call it hybrid or, or a balanced approach to care, is going to be the one you know, that really is going to have the biggest impact at work. And I think that's a big part of what you guys are doing too. It's so important. Um, so the quote that you're remembering, which very good memory, but it came from Dr. Oliver Harrison. He is our founder and CEO. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I think And what he's trying to really put together is to your point, it's the digital human hybrid approach, right? It's acknowledging that each one of us probably has our own bias and preferences on how we like to interact with our healthcare. And to be honest, I'll add it, another layer of complexity, it changes in a moment's notice, right? And it's how I'm feeling, how my mental health care is at this moment changes very rapidly. And also how I want to be treated, Ken, at that same. I'll give you a very quick example. Um, I woke up the other morning and I was super excited. I was going into Boston for a meeting I was very excited about. And I was playing top of my game. Like mental health, it was there. I was feeling great. And then Stella the Bulldog vomited all over my kitchen. <laughs> like that, my mental health totally changed right in that moment because now I am very concerned for my dog what's going on I need to clean up my kitchen because there's the mom side of me that's got to mm -hmm. keep it clean and then there's this third piece that's now I'm going to be late for the meeting now I have to think about how am I going to get through Boston traffic to get there my point is your mental health changes on the drop of a dime and also how you want to interact in that moment it was about, I needed someone to just talk it out in that moment. In other times, I really like the digital approach. I like being online. So I think it's really important to just recognize it changes. The second thing is, when we talk about um, the inability to scale the human touch, there is no doubt clinician presence is vital to care. Overall, throughout all of healthcare, in many different facets, it becomes really important. What's unique about behavioral health and mental health specifically is that we don't have enough clinicians. There aren't enough clinicians in school to cover the amount of need we have. And it's not just in the US, it's global. Um, we have 3 million members around the world. And what we deal with in Germany, in UK, in France is the same that we deal with here in the US. There just isn't a supply. And so we also have to be really honest about the fact that it's not just about creating huge networks. We have to find a way to make that time with the clinician more efficient. Um, that's a really important piece. And even within like New York, I'll give you another example. There is some supply that's available, but they refuse to work with insurance. And so it's cash pay, mm -hmm. which also adds another barrier. My point is in all of this, as we think about that digital human hybrid, it's not just the traditional lens of here's an app and here's a counselor and decide which mix. It's also about looking into tools that are like digital therapeutics. Right? So we've done a ton of work with Harvard and Oxford to develop different types of digital therapeutics. And the idea is those are medical tools um, you know, to different degrees and categorizations of a, a true digital therapeutic. But the idea is have tools that enable you to progress the in-person time with the clinician. And I think that's another element that's really critical in how we talk about um, you know, moving forward for healthcare. 
Yeah, I'm I'm relating and like nodding as you're talking because I was just speaking with a friend the other day who was talking about having real physical medical issues and cannot even get in to see a physician. Yeah, um, it's for months. And yeah. but then they're they're they don't have all of sort of these other digital options for yeah. at this time because I think it is still such an emerging area. And I'd love to just hear your thoughts on that. Like, are you hearing, um, and even through the, you know, through the uh, trends report you did, are, are the results showing that people are feeling some amount of mental frustration or mental exhaustion even because they can't get the physical sort of things handled? Or is that just sort of an anomaly? No, it, it's absolutely consistent. We focused in our research very um, specifically around mental health. However, I would say across healthcare in general, in delivery and in practice and globally, um, it's something that definitely is very present. Um, there are a lot of research and numbers that we have in the report that talk about, you know, the impact of productivity and um, the amount of po the population that feels like they have stress and anxiety when they're at work. And that has a very real cost associated with it for the individual, for their family, and then for the employer as well. So a lot of data there that's telling us it's super important. I think where we're challenged as a society, quite honestly, is that we have employers, we have healthcare um, workers that really want to invest for all the right reasons and help people along. And they're providing more and more support. Our research tells us that um, it's almost 90% of employers plan to invest even more in mental health in 2024 for their employees. They're also seeing an increase in the utilization of ben benefits. So it would tell you there should be maybe an optimistic lens. What's interesting is when you flip it and we pull the actual employees or the consumers of the healthcare, it's a very different story. They're feeling like it's almost overwhelming. I don't know where to start. And so they're not seeing the same level of support that the employers feel they're really providing to the employee population. It's not a new dynamic. I feel like I've been in the industry enough to see this kind of cyclical motion go through. Um, the solution in my experience is trying to just simplify, put as many things together as you can, keep it really simple. Don't get carried away with the flashy, sexy apps and right and, and keep it to what actually works and will move the needle for outcomes and then deliver it with messaging. That's very real for the consumer. Anyone can pick it up and understand how to use it. Yeah, I wondered if, if it needed to be simple because of that reason, like you're saying, because especially if you're in a time of stress, whether it's your own anxiety, your own maybe depression or whatever you're dealing with, the last thing you need is something that's flashy and, and overstimulating, right? You some, something very something that, that's very calming, right? Yeah. Something that's going to just feel like help, right? Um, I'd love it. One of the things, obviously, you've, you know, the, the report, we're going to link to it so everyone can download this report. There's so many just great nuggets of information. But when you were talking about kind of that benefits use, and one of the things that stood out to me was that although uh, it said eight and 10 uh, saw an uptick in benefits use in 2023, um, but data had told us that nearly seven in 10 employees say they don't use their benefits to their full value. And I wanted to just dig in a little bit because I've worked in HR many, many years before becoming an analyst. And, you know, of course, we always had um, 
sort of resources, right? EAP programs and so forth. It wasn't as mental health focused back then, yeah. but um, but we we just felt like for many decades people have not taken advantage of their benefits. I'd love to hear yeah. what do you what do you think about that? What are you hearing? And if you see that your employees are not taking advantage, what are maybe some things that you know these HR leaders or other leaders can be thinking about to make that possible? An excellent question. And for anyone who's feeling that sense of overwhelming and kind of facing the same issues that you're talking about, I think what's important to keep in mind is you're not alone. This is a universal issue that is felt by all size employers and around the globe. I've had conversations around the very topic. If you think about some of the benefits that are offered, and a lot of times when we talk about mental health in particular, employers will think about things like health plan coverage, right? Or maybe if it's outside of the US, it's private insurance to supplement the national. There's about 67% of the population is covering those benefits for their employees. They also will frequently think of EAPs, global EAPs in particular, and it's about half the population will offer those to their employees. Um, so my point is there are all these benefits and that's before you get into solutions that are specific for you know, very um, targeted types of care like disease management or, um, or uh, uh, prevention or um, prescription use, things like that, that also add more complexity. So that it is somewhat overwhelming. And we do find that employees, um, they have to be reminded of the tool that's available to them somewhat in the time that they actually need it. Um, I'll remember back is from my Cigna days, it always blew my mind that one of the most impactful things we ever delivered to an employee population was a magnet with our telephone number on it, uh, right? And it seems so silly and almost ridiculous, mm -hmm. uh, but it was amazing that if we provided that because it was a reminder, it was right in front of them when they needed it, right? Mm -hmm. It was the same reason I have a magnet for the repair, uh, gentlemen, for my washer dryer. It's physical. <laughs> you need it, you encounter it. So, you know, it, I would say, don't overthink this. Sometimes keep it to the very basics. Do you have an intranet site? And is that intranet site something your employees really are familiar with? Then provide the information there so they have one site to go to, right? If there are um, champions within the community, a lot of employers will use wellness champions. It's a great network to get tapped into because they can really help to spread the message when populations need it. Facilities that are located in the um, office, a little more challenging now with all the remote work, but ways to tackle that as well. I think the, the overarching message here is build a simple plan and then make it readily available, but don't over-engineer it. Think about really uh, traditional ways that people touch information that they need. The other thing that I think is really important, and this is a growing trend that I've seen over the last probably five years really take flight. We've always had manager training, but I feel like a lot of the employers that are doing this really well, that manager training has evolved. Um, we are sitting with one of our customers next week, and it's with the women's empowerment organization within their company. And we're talking about um, things that are really important, like imposter syndrome and things like that, mm -hmm. so that someone might be listening and realize that that's an aspect of their mental health that really does impact them they never thought about. And so that opens the door to these other tools that are available to them. So I think using manager training in an effective way, thinking a little bit more um, broadly about what that could mean and then providing the tools beneath that, super important. And then just one last point, um, 
a lot of times we get carried away in the marketplace. We think about driving utilization and consumption, all great, right? We want people to engage with us. But I think we also, as a just industry, need to think about which programs we want people to engage with different ways. Like, for example, I probably don't need my employees to engage in therapy all the time. And it's probably not even my whole population that needs to. So we need to also, um, you know, be really specific and intentional when we work as partners between vendors and employers to really think about the engagement strategies and what you want to drive for each specific. Otherwise, you're kind of just throwing everything in every time you talk to an employee. You're saying, here's everything that's available instead of maybe financial planning is more important at the beginning of the year around the holidays, right? And mental health maybe throughout the year, but maybe other things aren't. <laughs> you know, and so I think it's that balance as well that can be really helpful. Melissa, thank you for saying that. And you kind of alluded to something that I wanted to to ask you about, or at least have us talk about here, which is a little bit about you said not all employees need to be in therapy, right? Right, yeah. or or in person kind of clinician led therapy, and I, I believe that it is true. And then I also think that many times, though that becomes uh, what we feel like is the default because yeah. preventative steps have not been taken along the way. And look, we're all people. And I've been in this case, Trisha and I were talking before the show about some of these topics as well. You don't necessarily think about mental health often the same way we mm-hmm. think about physical health, right? We're, we're sort of trained in our, uh, through, uh, you know, years and years of annual physicals right. at the at the doctor's office and annual checkups and things like that and the various things you, you yeah. must do to keep your body physically in shape. But we don't often think about our mental health that way. Uh, certainly, I'll admit I never did, honestly. Uh, um, so I'd love for you, maybe, Melissa, if you could talk a little bit about that, just this idea of how people and then certainly the organizations that they're working in could be better supported by taking a little bit more preventative a little bit more proactive in, in kind of both from a uh, uh, an intervention kind of standpoint, but also just a, a cultural standpoint. Hey, this is a thing we're going to talk about and, and normalize it a little bit in the organization. Yeah, it's so important. And there's a couple of themes um, within what you just said. I think at the very beginning of our conversation, Trish, you alluded to as well, the physical health connection. And I think you're bringing up a great point, Steve, for physical health, we train children very young, right? When my children were going through grade school, we had like the president's activity challenge and we had athletics and we talked about taking care of your body so that you can play your athletics. <laughs> but wouldn't it have been nice to be like, take care of your mental health, right? And you'll learn how to interact and you'll be really, you know, show up present for those games and those times that are really important. But there has been historically this stigma and we even maybe put it on young children where we don't want to really talk about mental health. You know, it's kind of like, that's something that you hold into yourself. Maybe you push it down or don't acknowledge it in the right way. And um, I think there were small steps taken, you know, schools started to talk about things like meditation and, and that's wonderful. And that's a really important aspect of care for some people. It doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't work for all children. So I think the narrative needs to change to what's prevention for mental health. And just like physical health, I'm an asthmatic, someone else might be a diabetic, your physical care is going to vary one by one. The mental health and how we think about it needs to vary one by one, right? We have to think about this in a different way. We have to make it okay to have those conversations. 
when I was speaking earlier about like the mental, the uh, manager training, that's an enormous step. And not every organization is there yet. It'll take time, right? But even the presence of being able to say, this is a day that we're going to talk about a topic that is difficult sometimes, it sends a loud message. I had an employer that I worked with once and the president of the company actually released how he struggled with anxiety. It was a game changer. As soon as he opened up about his own experience, their utilization went up because it humanized it. It made it okay to talk about. And it also took away this fear, which is very prevalent in a lot of organizations. And we found it in our research as well. Sometimes employees think if they talk about their mental health, it's going to be held against them. Right? Mm -hmm. And again, we need to really change that narrative um, and, and talk about it in a different way. There are a couple of things we would be naive not to pay attention to. There are the generational differences. I think Trish, you might have mentioned this earlier, but uh, if I think about technology, to be honest, right, younger generations and oh, ironically, older generations, um, right? I was always surprised by that, but sometimes they're lonely and technology actually does work for them. Um, there are gender differences, right? The mental health index that was done for several years during the pandemic, it showed us that men and women carried the weight of mental health in different ways. My point is, as we think about the tools, as we open up the conversation, we also have to make sure we're opening it up to individuals and what feeds into the variation that they need. It may be generational, it may be gender, it may be traditions, regions of the world, right? All these things matter, but you have to open it up to the conversation first. Yeah, you, uh, thank you for sharing all of that. I, you said a couple words, and I even Steve said one I wrote down. Just talking about first of all the stigma attached to it. I'm glad you just addressed that. That was one of the questions I had, um, and definitely think that can be tied to generations, right? I, as you were talking about even little kids, I'm thinking how many times as a child are you told like stop crying? I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> oh my right? goodness! Like, I mean, yes. we were trained. <laughs> We were literally trained to hold it in, hold in your emotions, right? Or I don't, don't think that's them. technically like good parenting advice, though, to say that. I don't think yeah. so. But no, but in the 70s, though, it, it was. But see, I'm pretty that's sure I heard it, have, too. But that's who's now leading these organizations. And we're the ones who are supposed to be, you know, so open and accepting. And we're not. The other thing, um, Melissa, you, you know, when you're talking about kind of, um, that stigma and normalizing and, and sharing the stories. I was like, oh my gosh, yes, thank you for that example. I think there is something to be said for that. The way things get normalized in communities and it could become bubbling up from the younger people who are more comfortable in talking about and, and bringing these things to light. Um, mm -hmm. It could be for, just as we age, getting more comfortable with ourselves and our own uh, approaches to life, but but being able to have some place, whether it's electronic or actually physically in your place of employment or both, mm -hmm. I think that ability to share stories is how we all learn. It's yeah. it's why you're on the show, right? It's to when we are vulnerable as leaders and as employees and as colleagues, I think we do make it better for everyone. And it sounds like maybe the the study backs that up a little bit. It does. Um, yeah, it definitely does. And I, 
it's a combination as well. The study gave us a lot of insights into how employers were thinking about their 2024 planning specific to mental health. There's so much more rich data that we have. And part of this is it's the unique nature of COA. Um, COA was founded not to produce, you know, a software SaaS platform for employers. It was founded with scientists, with clinicians, um, doctors that were actually trying to advance how we deliver healthcare and a lot of research that was pumped into clinical validation. And out of that came some great science and really focused in on how do you actually move the needle? How do you change outcomes? You know, the elegant SaaS platform that sits on side, that came later and that's relatively new. The depth of what we learned in the clinical research with all the clinicians that we have on staff, the content writers of my um, platform are, are literally psychologists instead of marketing. You know, like there's the difference. And why I bring that up is, is you put that dynamic around and in practice, you can also connect a lot of dots that aren't as transparent as some of the obvious ones that we've talked through. And that piece as well, right? We can do little bits of study, but it's the research and how things evolve over time when your clinician's trying to deliver care directly. That's probably the secret sauce or the, you know, the real piece that comes through that can impact the outcomes. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. I think uh, we just did a show, um, Melissa, on, uh, menopause health and menopause care in the workplace, right? It just, just yeah. posted the other day and, and a friend of ours had shared the show uh, to her network. And I was thankful that she did that. And she wrote in her comment um, something along the lines of like healthy people just perform better, both at work, both at home, in their communities, yeah. as parents and family members and as friends, on and on and on, right? Healthy people just are better. And I think this same comment can be made as we're discussing mental health. And, and, and we talk about the conversations that both we're having here, but also the important work that COA Health is doing right, in the community with the communities that they're serving through their customers. And yeah. and maybe that's the last thing I want to I just want to say, say, and maybe we can talk about it a little bit, which is I had this idea I wrote in the pre-show that like everyone benefits from better mental health for being concerned with their mental health, even if you don't think you need to. Right. Just thinking yeah. about it. I. And, and maybe, Melissa, I'll ask it this way, if you might want to, and you can anonymize it. You don't have to say, you know, Acme yeah. companies found this or that, but maybe just describe a little bit of some of the impacts you're seeing when companies or organizations really take a thoughtful technology, certainly supported, but a thoughtful, holistic approach to employee mental health. What are some of the beneficial outcomes that we can see? Yeah. It's an excellent question. And I think the magic is, that you have North Stars that are most employers are looking for these outcomes, right? But the nuggets that I get super excited about are the ones that are unexpected, right? It's what percentage of the population comes in through the digital door and they build trust through it and then they move on to therapy. That to me is a magical thing, right? Because you probably wouldn't have gotten them into the therapy lens without the first piece. And again, I'm not saying therapy is for everyone. I don't believe it is, but I think that sometimes it can help the right people get to where it needs they need to be. Um, the second thing is, I love it when you see, and, and we see this with a lot of our customers, the engagement will vary time over time, right? And you can see how users will kind of maintain, 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 and then something happens and they start to utilize a lot. 
and you work through it and then you see it taper down, 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 down. And when we do member feedback or you do any kind of a focus group and you talk to the members that have had that kind of experience, it's that you carried them through a tough time. That for me gets me super excited, right? Um, and then the third thing I'll say is there is an element I get passionate about when we talk about what we're doing and we share our outcomes with business leaders that have nothing to do with our company, right? They're, they're practicing, um, you know, universities and health systems around the world and they get it and they see the application of how it can be done across large populations. To me, that's the other piece. It's a, a sign of outcomes. It gets me really excited. What's challenging is how do you take that now? Like, you know, bring it back and make it digestible for the average buyer and the average consumer. That's probably the challenging part. Um, but yeah, I think it's the energy that you see when people are changing their behavior from the norm. That's probably where we get the most excitement from buyers. Melissa, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Um, it's a fantastic story. Uh, it's a great report too. Uh, once again, it's the 2024 Workplace Mental Health Trends Report you can find on the COA Health website. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll direct people there. We'll link to the report in our notes. There's a lot of other supporting content and other content that's out there as well. Uh, COA is doing a great job both with research, but also providing this platform uh, for organizations to interact with and, and just step in. And, and it's so important, right? And one other last little piece of data from the report, almost every organization, there was only 1% of organizations that <laughs> mental health is not important to them. That's I don't right. Know who the, I don't know who those one percenters <laughs> are, but everyone realizes it. You know, the organizational leaders that you guys talk to yeah. almost universally agree, this is a challenge. This is important. We're going to prioritize this. And, and so the question is, let's make this happen for more organizations, for more people. And uh, so we do want to make sure that uh, folks who are interested can engage with the, the team at COA with Melissa and learn more and, and take that step uh, to, to uh, make these kinds of uh, interventions uh, possible, available. And the, the impact, we could, we could probably do a whole other show, Melissa, on the impacts, right? But yeah. it, it's true and it's meaningful and it's important. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate that and appreciate the dialogue here with both of you. Um, I think every conversation, right, if we can inspire more people to think about it in a different lens, um, that's a great thing. It's a great momentum. So I really do appreciate that. If anyone does want to reach out as well, feel free to reach out via my LinkedIn. I'm always very anxious to talk to others in the market who are viewing things different ways and um, share a conversation. All right. Great stuff. Melissa, so great to see you. Great to meet you. Thanks again for being with us today. Trish, I, man, I love this. I'm a benefits person. I mean, I really I wasn't, do. but I, I should have been one in my life. I really was. You were, we, I said, I mentioned the menopause show that we just did this show on mental health. Like we yeah. could just, we should make this like our, year our, of benefit, benefits. our benefit year. Maybe. You could definitely a year. Yeah. I think too, it's, it's having Melissa and other people like that who come on and you're really a teacher. Um, I, I know Steve and I learn not just in sort of the prep work and reading the report, but in also just those little stories you're sharing where I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. And um, I just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your time and I'm grateful for your examples and your expertise, because I know that if I'm learning while we're recording this, this show, that the people who are listening are also learning as well. And, to, and for me, that's the best thing we can do in this community is really reach out to each other and, and be that support. So 
So grateful you did that for us today. Thank yep. you. Thank you so much, Trisha. All right. Thank you so much, Melissa Freezer from COA Health. Uh, this has been a great show. We'll put all the links to all the resources we mentioned. Once again, it'll be in the show notes. Um, for Trish Steed, my name's Steve Bowes. Remember to uh, catch all the HR Happy Hour archives on hrhappyhour.net, of course. And uh, thanks for listening. We see you next time. Bye for now. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.